praise the Lord. Uh, Father God, uh, it is an honor uh, to uh, preach your word, uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, Father God, uh, although I am a vessel that is a, a limited vessel, Father God, you are an unlimited God. Just, Father God, let your truth be preached unhindered, that it might benefit uh, the hearers and uh, be unto the bearing of much fruit uh, for your children, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're still on kingdom parables. We're Matthew chapter 15 today, uh, verses 10 to 20 is our main text for today. And I will give you time to turn there. Those of you who are still resisting the digital age. <laughs> There's something about the actual pages that just. We're going to talk about genuine godliness today because I believe that's the point of this passage here. That's the, that's the main point that Jesus is getting through. Uh, he just had an encounter with the Pharisees. Um, they asked what would, I think was a sincere question. They weren't trying to trip him up, but uh, they uh, wanted to know why his disciples did not wash their hands before they ate. And it wasn't a hygiene question. It was a ceremonial cleansing because if you did not go through this ceremonial washing of hands and whatever you touched was unclean. Right. And so and I don't I could do a whole different message on that, but it wasn't it, it, it was it wasn't based on God's word that this was expected. It was based on their traditions. Uh, traditions that some of their predecessors had begun and it had become ingrained in the culture. And so Jesus chastised them when he asked them, now, why do you? Make the word of God not effect by your traditions. And so it goes on and it starts in verse 10. And right after that encounter, verse 10 says, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth this defiles a person. So it's not about what you eat. It's not about whether you ceremoniously wash your hands and all that other stuff. That's not, defiling isn't what goes in the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. 
For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Evil thoughts don't just happen. They emanate from the heart. Out of the heart come murder. Adultery. It doesn't just happen. Sexual immorality. Theft. False witness. Slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So I know it doesn't have the word godliness in here, but he's addressing what real godliness is about. Because the question that the Pharisees had in those first 10 verses of the chapter, which I didn't read, it it was based on the perception or the belief that in order to be clean, you had to go through certain ceremonial procedures. And if you did not do these things, you could not be acceptable to God. Their traditions were making of no effect the actual word of God. And we have to be careful about that because if we're not careful, if we don't learn these lessons, if we don't know the word of God, if we're not diligent to read and know and study and walk in the word of God, then we will be liable to be led astray into into traditions and false doctrines that are not of God. Right? So, so, so every word of God is, every word of the scripture is God breathed. Beneficial for instruction, reproof, and, and training in righteousness and all those things, but not every doctrine is. Right? So we want to make sure that our doctrine is sound doctrine and that it is Bible. It is word of God. Right? We want to make sure that if we're acting, we're thinking, we're talking, our feelings, even our feelings, our feels, I think is what they say these days. Even our feels are subject to God's word in the way of the Lord. Are you hearing me? And so, and so that brings us, what, what is godliness? You know, I, I think we got to put some kind of a definition on it, but, you know, just to add, take some mystery out of it, it's the reverent awareness of God's sovereignty in every aspect of life, right? And, they, and, and the determination in our hearts to honor him in all that we do, in all of our conduct. God is sovereign, even in the unknown, all right? God is God. All right. Despite my fears, God is sovereign. God is on the throne. He's God no matter my situation, no matter my feelings, no matter what people say. God is God and it will never change. Amen. And so it's a it's a reverent and we're constantly aware of God's presence. We're constantly aware of, of, of God's word and God's will. And our heart is to honor him in all that we do. All right. Some of you are married. You want to honor God in, in how you cherish and honor and love your spouse. As parents, you want to honor God in the raising and admonition of your children, right? As a man and woman of God, we want to walk upright. We want to, we want to be true representatives of the kingdom of God. 
because the world needs to see the genuine article. Right? And, 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 and there's behaviors, there's, there's attitudes, there's many voices out there that would try to tempt us to act in ways that may appear to be justified, but those of us who are believers in God, if we were to go that way, it may appeal to our feelings, but it is not of the Lord. And we have to get to the point to where we are checking ourselves and we are testing the spirits to see if they be of God. To say, is this, is this God honoring? First uh, Timothy chapter 2 says this, and, I, and y'all, those of you who have not, uh, you know, heard me preach much will know that I like context. Um, a lot of times one verse will do it, but one verse, you know, it's dangerous when we take one verse and just park there. We, I, I'd like to get a full thought. So uh, I'll probably read more than it seems necessary, but uh, I'd rather do that than to go the opposite extreme. But first four verses of Second Timothy says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions. And he gives the why. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly. So godliness matters. Godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all people to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, what, what does godliness look like? Well, it looks, look at her. God says that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings being made for all people. Some are hard to pray for, aren't they? Some are, definitely some are hard to be thankful for, right? It's hard to give thanksgiving for some, but that's what we're called to, right? That, that, that's what pertains to godliness because Here's the thing, as much as I may hate what another person stands for, as much as I may not appreciate the way that they conduct and choose to live their lives, my life is governed by the heart of my God. And it, and, 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 and it says here that God wants everyone to be saved and everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the governing principle for me that applies to godliness is to make myself available to God in such a way as to make God's heart's desire, all right, able to come to fruition through me, this vessel, to the extent that I can, the sphere of influence that I have. Okay, and and there may be my favorite news host may say, you know what? Those people are bad. You need to be angry at those people. You need to have a certain attitude toward those people. No, 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 no. My God says I need to be interceding, praying, supplicating, offering up thanksgiving because my God wants all people saved. And I need to keep my heart soft and pliable towards God so that when God speaks and has me to act, that I can actually act in love toward the people that need the salvation of the Lord. 
Are you hearing that? Okay, that's godliness. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to fight. It's not hard to complain. It's not hard to point fingers. It's not hard to bicker. It's not hard to divide. It's not hard to cause dissension and chaos. It, 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 it's not hard to do those things. Those are easy. The flesh wants to do that. What is not so easy is rising up to the standard of godliness. Let me go on. Second Peter 3.11 says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, there's coming the day of the Lord where the earth and heavens, everything is going to be dissolved. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? That's a question that we need to continually ask ourselves. In light of current events, in light of the way things are in this day and time, in light of the challenges that are facing us individually, societally, uh, as a body of Christ, you know, as, as the church, what sort of people ought we to be and what standard are we basing it on? Because there's a standard that is acceptable in general society, uh, that, that, that's commonly, uh, believed, commonly accepted. But then there's the standard of God. And which standard should we be striving for, ladies and gentlemen? What, what standard should we be striving for is God's standard. What pertains to godliness? Moving on, godliness, if we're going to be godly, godly, how would I say this? Godliness depends on the knowledge of God's word, the knowledge of God's truth. We got to know the truth in order to live the truth. I said we've got to know the truth in order to walk in it, in order to live the truth, right? We've got to know God's truth. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. See, that there is an accord. There's a connection there. Their knowledge of the truth is important in order for them to be able to, as a result, Walk in godliness. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Is there no wonder then that that we find that Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, but able to rightly divide the word of truth. Because there are those out there that will appeal to you on something that sounds very similar to the truth, but it is not quite truth. Right? And God doesn't want us tossed around and deceived. The, the, the danger of deception is that it it, 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 it mirrors, it has a similarity to the truth, but there is, a, it's, it's, it's different in essence. 
it doesn't really honor God. It, it, it has a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. Are you hearing me? And so, uh, as a matter of fact, let's go on to 2 Timothy 3. And most of these, I got a lot of scriptures today, y'all, but I promise I won't keep y'all over an hour and a half. And so, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7 says this, But understand this, that in the last days, and we're, those days are upon us, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. I think the current times qualify, don't you? There will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. You know what? That th- th- This is not just talking about people in the world. These, for lack of a better word, qualities, or uh, if you want to call them these bad qualities and so forth, these qualities are going to even be present in the body. And it's in, in these last days. And we're being warned about that stuff, okay? Not to be a lover of self or a lover of money or proud or arrogant or abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable slanderous, without self-control. You know, we need to be able to have self-control. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good, having the appearance of godliness. That is so dangerous, y'all. The appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And what does it want us to do? Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. They take advantage of it, pounce and prey on the vulnerable. And here's another characteristic of always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Let that not be our story. Let, let, let that not describe the people of God. That, that we are champions of truth should be what describes us. That, that, that we embrace truth. Truth matters to us. Okay? Not just your truth, God's truth. Right? And so, uh, uh, we would do like Ecclesiastes says, let us therefore hear the, uh, wait and hear the conclusion of the whole matter. All right. We're, we, we, we might, you might be the first one to tell me the story, but I'm not going to jump and, and run and, and parrot that or act on the first thing that comes to me. I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to take it to the Lord. I'm going to consider 
the many proverbs that pertain to wisdom. Lord, I need to gain understanding here. Because before I speak, before I act, I need to make sure I'm doing so in a way that honors you. That means I need to know the conclusion of the whole matter. I need to, uh, I need to conduct myself in such a way with self-control that, that, that when I act, I can do it with a clear conscience that I have done my due diligence. I have obeyed God in this matter and I am proceeding forward in a godly way. Are you hearing me? Because godliness, that's what God wants for us, godliness. I'm going to acknowledge his presence. I'm going to acknowledge his will and his heart, all right? And I, I'm i going to endeavor to please his heart. Not my flesh, not a group of individuals who have an agenda or anything. I'm going to endeavor to please the heart of God. Because there... In doing that, in walking humbly and obedient with God, in honoring him, living a life that's committed to honoring him in every way, that's where the power of God is. That's, that's really the reason why when Jesus and when he taught his disciples, it says that they, you know, when they went about doing good and, and they went about preaching the gospel, and, and the Lord confirmed the word with wonders and signs, all those things. The power of God followed them because they lived a life of godliness. They didn't tick off a list of do's and don'ts. They were committed to the Lord. They knew God's revealed truth. They knew his word. And they were committed to obeying his word. They were reverently aware of his, his person, his sovereignty, over in his sovereignty over every aspect of their lives. And they were determined to honor him in all of their conduct. And as they went about the process of doing that, God showed up. And God will show up for us in the same manner as we devote ourselves to godliness before him. Are you hearing that? Second Timothy 3, verse 12. 12 through 15, as a matter of fact. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'm going to read more verses in that, but godliness has a cost associated with it. I, I, I'm just going to come out and just say it. I'm not going to dance around it. Uh, walking with God, there's a cost. Godliness, there's a cost. All, it didn't say some, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life, who commit yourself and devote yourself to godliness, will be persecuted. There is no, I want to be godly without persecution. All who desire to live a godly life will face persecution. The only question is the extent of that persecution. But And so we can get our minds around that. 
and embrace it and know that the grace of God will be upon us to walk in it with dignity, to walk in it with faith, to walk in it in victoriously. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and staff, they comfort me. You're with me. You lay a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's like I'm in the valley of death, but I'm not there alone. Okay, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. My comfort in the valley of death is your rod and your staff. Because the scripture does not say I'll be stuck here. There is another side to it. All right. And so I must walk through this, walk in this valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going to walk through it because my shepherd is with me. I will see the sun on the other side. Right. But 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 I want to commit to doing it God's way. Right. That, 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 that's that's the way of escape. Godliness, walking with God, whatever the shepherd says, I'll do whatever he uh, requires of me. I will obey. And when all doubt, and in the face of any doubt, I choose to trust in God, the faithfulness of my God. Amen. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters, again, we don't just have stuff to worry about from outside the church. <laughs> there are those inside the church, and we're going to have to learn to discern the real deal. And in some cases, we're not necessarily going to be able to. We're going to have to trust God and let God lead us like he led Joseph to take the baby and Mary to uh, Egypt to, to, to evade the those who wanted to take his life. Sometimes we're just going to have to follow the Spirit of God and just let the Spirit of God lead us through the minefield, through dangers that we're not even aware of. It's the power of God. But there are imposters. So while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, people of God, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. This is Paul talking to Timothy, but it's still applicable to us. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. In other words, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the word of God. Which are able to make you wise for salvation. What do I do? It's so confusing. One voice says one thing, another says another. You know, I'm hearing I'm, I'm hearing these different perspectives. What do I believe? What do I do? I tell you what, we can stop listening to voices and, and, and letting ourselves be the rope in the middle of a tug of war. And we can remember and recall to remembrance what the word of God says. Word of God that pertains to wisdom. Right? The word of God will give us wisdom in what we should do. Sometimes the choices that the world presents to us Okay, th th those are petty and trivial and small. Those choices, the, 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 there are greater choices to make that pertain to the kingdom of God. All right, and we're going to have to uh, focus our attention on that which is unseen instead of allowing that which we, the, the, the seen to uh, dictate 
our thoughts and actions and emotions and whatnot, allowing them to play them like a fiddle. So what does God's word say? Um, You know, and Paul told him, as you learn from a child, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's really, let me remind us that we are supposed to be walking by faith, not by sight. Because if we start walking by sight, Lord have mercy, we're in trouble. Because there's, there's more reason when you walk by sight, you know, to be in fear, doubt, and unbelief, and, 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 and have no hope, and, and to be anxious and worryful all the time. If that's all there, if it was just what we see, my goodness, uh, there's just so many problems and not enough solutions. But when we remind ourselves that we have a good God that is sovereign, has authority over every aspect of life. He's sovereign over all things. He is on the throne. All right? And that there is nothing that is impossible for him. Right? And so so we don't have, we don't need to worry. Uh, the song, I'm going to slaughter it or whatever, but, but, it, but it says, you, you, you bring back the head of my enemy. All right? You want it, and yet you call it my victory. All right? You, you, you're winning battles for me that I don't even know I'm waging. All right, God? So, so, so I don't have to be worried about what I'm facing because, God, you've already conquered everything. All right? You're already all-powerful. You are already God, and it, there is only one God. And so everything that is above me, everything that is beyond me and beyond my capabilities and beyond my understanding, I, I, I would be overwhelmed about that if not for God. But God. I'm going to go on. There's so many passages of, man, when you get through the word of God, it just confirms itself and just has so much good. First Timothy four verses six through eight. So we talked about how important it is. We talked about godliness and what godliness means. And we, you know, we heard the warning about the having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power and what we need to do there that there's a cost associated with godliness and uh, my encouragement to all of us is that we ought to be willing to pay that cost because there was a cost to salvation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ paid it all right he paid the ultimate cost that we might be reconciled with him And it is a small thing that we pay a cost to walk in godliness with him. Are you hearing me? 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8 say this, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith. You know what? We need to be diligent in our study of the word of God. 
the being trained in the word of faith. Are you hearing me? And of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So it's an appeal again. Have nothing to do with rumors. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. But rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I didn't hear an amen, but I tell you what, that's, that, that's good stuff right there. All right. Godliness holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let me move on. Staying in 1 Timothy, a couple of chapters later, chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Now, we just got to talking about, make sure that the doctrine that we're espousing, all right, let's take it to the word of God and let's make sure it is good doctrine. Let's, let's not just embrace any doctrine. It may sound good, but let's, it doesn't matter how it sounds. Let's take it to God's word and see how it fits and how it coordinates with the whole of scripture. Because God's word is our rock. Amen. That's the solid foundation there in Jesus. So, First uh, Timothy 6 verses 3 through 6 say this. If anyone teaches a different doctrine. And does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. There goes that word again. It says this about that person that's teaching. If they're not teaching, if if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands Nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so I feel, you know, love compels me to, to, to preach about this. I think it's timely that of all the messages I've preached in the series on the kingdom, <laughs> that now, you know, it just falls into the order of things that this is the topic that's next in order in Matthew 15, the issue of genuine godliness. And we ought to have behavior that's consistent with godliness. Right? And so uh, we don't want to be puffed up with conceit and, and, and lack understanding, but 
says he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction. That's We're, we're right in the wheelhouse of that. All right? And I, I, I believe God wants the church to snap out of this, to, to, to get out of that vicious circle, all right? And, and, and stop letting the words that lead to dissension and strife and suspicions of one another and conspiracies and all this other nonsense stop running to and fro in the rat maze that people have set out for us to run through get out of that and get into a position where we're availing ourselves to god where we can hear what thus saith the lord and and and, and we can decompress from all that and 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 and, and focus our attention instead of all that noise. We're going to look in the. We're going to. Uh, uh, our objective is godliness. All of this stuff, God's sovereign over all of it. He transcends all of it. I, I, I need to hear Him. I need to know what the Word of God says uh, because there is wisdom in God's Word that'll help me navigate these choppy waters. If I'm not hearing God, I'll drown in it, in the ocean of this nonsense. It, it, it doesn't matter what he or she's saying. What matters is what God has said and what God is doing and what God requires of us as his representatives in the earth. Are you hearing that? Titus 2, verses 11 through 14 say this, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, renounce it, and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It's doable. God expects it of us. God demands it of us. God has given us the grace and the ability to do it if we're willing to do it, if we're willing to pay the cost. There will be those that will tell you you're not zealous enough. That you're missing it with God. There will be those in the body that will tell you, you need to be doing more. You need to be fighting. You need to be doing whatever. No, no, you need to be doing what God says. All right? And we need to be able to stand strong in the Lord and walk with God in a way that honors him regardless of what the world says or what judgment we might face amongst our fellow believers I'm just I'm just saying for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Not what I say are good works, not what you feel are good works, but zealous for good works as God has defined good works. Godliness. 
is not in form. It's not in appearance. It's not in ceremony. It's not in tradition. It is in how we walk with God. Do we acknowledge him as sovereign over every aspect of life? And have we determined that we're going to honor him in every aspect of our lives, in every situation that we face and encounter, we're going to honor him. Will we be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when threatened to be thrown into the fire and say, you know, we believe God can save us from that fire. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow the knee to you. That's, that's being committed to honor God no matter the cost. And even if it meant dying in that fiery furnace, they were going to honor God. You know, uh, things get pretty fiery in our day, don't they? And uh, no matter how hot the fire burns, you and I, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, as disciples, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ need to have that attitude no matter how hot the fire burns. Father God, I'll go into that fiery furnace. I believe you'll save me from the des- being destroyed in there, but even if you doesn't, but even if you don't, I'm going to honor you in this. Let, let that be what we're characterized by as the people of God. If we are committed to doing that, then there is no way our light will not shine before men that they can see our works and glorify our Father in heaven. There's no way that our light can help but to shine if we're walking in godliness, walking in faithful obedience with our God. So, um... Let's move on. Second Peter one. Uh, these are my concluding uh, verses. Much shorter. But Second Peter one. I really like that chapter. But Second Peter one. I'll focus on verses three and. I'll focus on uh, verses 3 through 8. I'll break them up, though. Uh, Verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us. Now, who is us? Right. All of us who all of us who are believers, right? All of us who who walk with God. His divine power. Whose power? God's power. His divine power has granted to us all things, say all things, that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, which which, uh, involves his word and, and a personal relationship with him, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, Let's remember, we are called for his glory. All right? His glory is our objective. His glory is our focus. His glory is our desire. 
right? He's given us everything that pertains to life. So we don't have to worry about provisions that pertain to life, right? And there's a cost associated with godliness, but he's given us everything to give us and give us the ability to pay the cost, right? And to be able to live in a godly manner. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. The promises of God has been granted to us. His promises are yes and amen. Right? So, we, again, we can walk without fear. We can walk free. We can walk in, in, in faith with God, knowing that what he's promised has been granted. What he's promised, he'll bring to pass. What he says he'll do, he'll do. Circumstances might look like, may look such that I don't see how that can happen. I just don't see it. It makes no, it makes no sense to me. Remember, we're going to have to trust him. And know that uh, unlike the children of Israel, when he delivered them from Egypt, when things got really bad, they say he brought us out here to kill us. He delivered us from Egypt, brought us out of slavery and bondage. He brought us out here to kill us. And he said it again, they send scouts in there to the land of Canaan, the promised land. And they saw how big those people were over there. They were like, he brought, no, he brought us out here to kill us. We're not going in there. So like God's going to save you to kill you. But it, it doesn't make any sense on the surface, on the face of it. It doesn't make sense. But that's not everything we say and feel makes sense, right? The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? That's what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, right? And so... Oh, our heart feels the way it feels sometimes. And if we're not rooted in the word of God so that we are, we're intimately familiar with the truth of God's word, our heart, our feelings can lead us astray. But he's given us everything if we will grab a hold of it. If we will diligently get into his word diligently make ourselves available to him and in and, 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 and our quiet time or whatever you want to call it, if we will diligently commit to not only just acknowledging his sovereignty in every aspect of life, but a commit to a life that is devoted to honoring him in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our body, in our spirit. We're, we're, we're going to honor him in every aspect of our being yes I'm repeating it and I'll probably say it again before I'm done here because we ought to be kept in remembrance of these things and sometimes repetition is necessary in order for something to, 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 to take root in order for something to take root in your mind and ultimately in your heart so that we can then carry these things forward and let them bear out in our lives. And so I'm very intentional with that. 
Um, well, I'll just read it again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. All right? Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You know, God wants us to be partakers of his divine nature. There ought to be something about our character and our conduct that is a reflection of Christ. I didn't stutter about that. Our character, our, you know, the way we talk about others, the way we converse, the way we act, the way we behave, the way we carry ourselves, it should be a reflection of Christ because we're his disciples. We're his followers. We are to be imitators of him, right? And so in conscience, in, 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 in integrity, in, in, in heart, right? Uh, so that, that, that's all that's encompassing. Love the Lord your God without your heart, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. A thought is not just a thought. A thought left undealt with can take root and lead to sin, right? So if we're going to love him in that way, we're going to honor God in that area. We're going to bring our thought life into subjection to his word of truth. We're going to deal with these hard to deal with emotions and these hurts and these issues that that any of that stuff's unchecked. Well, we're going to commit that to God and we're going to honor him with that. Right? And so let's let, let's move on. Uh second Peter one We're still in one, but we're going to move on to verses five to eight. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ now you should circle star underline highlight that passage and keep it in remembrance and just meditate on that thing and just let God deal with you uh, as much as, as, as much as is necessary. Because all of that is going to be needful. Uh, the, 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 the world, how many times have we've all complained about how worse things are getting? From bad to worse, from bad to worse, that there's less of a godly influence and, and evil seems to be prospering and, and, and there's all kinds of things going on. You know what? We can keep our eyes on that and we can complain about that and be unfruitful and ineffective or we can focus on godliness and focus on what God has called us to do that we are armed and capable and able to be effective and fruitful in the midst of this, 
and begin to bring people to the kingdom, bring people into salvation with the Lord despite all this stuff that's going on. Because, because there is work to be done for the Lord no matter what the conditions are. Right? And so we need to be concerned with how can we be effective witnesses for you, Lord? How can we be effective servants for you? How can we be display, have and display genuine godliness in the midst of all of this? Because there are those, again, who are walking in darkness that are depending on us. They may not know it yet, but God's dealing with them. The goodness of God is leading them to repentance, right? And, and, and there is a way that we're to cooperate with that so that we can plant the seeds that need to be planted. We can water the seeds when it needs to be watered so that God can give the increase. But we, but we have to be mindful of where our attention should be focused. And that means sometimes we're going to have to turn off the TV. Uh, stop, stop, stop listening to the false teachers and doctrines that, 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 that would steer our hearts away from the pure gospel. And get us acting in the flesh and, and to where we're ineffective and we're doing more to drive people away from Christ than to draw them. So, Second Peter chapter 1. Those first eight verses, I would encourage you to live in them for a while, for a season. And, and, and let that, let, let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit expand that, that study out, uh, in whatever way He will. But I would encourage you that way. And in the, the final verse in conclusion here, Second Peter 1, verses 9 and 10. I meant to say the first 10 verses of 2 Peter 1 is where you want to start, circle, all that stuff. But then it gets into the why, verses 9 and 10. For or because. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Second Peter chapter 1. Those first 10 verses. Those of you who, who will, I'm going to give you an assignment to, to really study. Break out the commentaries, break out the different, look at it in different translations. Just really endeavor to get into however many of these scriptures that are highlighted to you, but particularly that last passage. I broke it up into three parts, but it was essentially... Uh, verses 3 through 10. I'll go ahead and say verses 1 through 10 of Second Peter chapter 1. Because I want you all to have those qualities implemented in your life.
I want you to have it confirmed in your hearts what godliness is about. What it means, your calling to walk in godliness. And I want you to be prayerful. Take this to God. If you have not been operating or walking in godliness in an area of your life, Take it to God. Confess it. Repent. God loves you and he will forgive you. And what is 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God will forgive and he'll cleanse and he will begin the journey of helping you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord to where you can, where you can live in godliness and be effective and fruitful in the times in which we live to the glory of God the Father in the name of Jesus. And so, Father God, I lift up your precious people this morning. Father God, there are so many things that are tempting us. There are so many things, Father God, that are challenging us in our walk with you. Uh, no time in history has been more challenging than the times in which we live, uh, where, where technology has made it so much easier To spread, to spread things, to spread rumors, to, 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 to spread uh, conspiracies, to spread lies, to, to, for, for, for so much it offers that will tempt us to appeal to the flesh and the carnal mind. There's so much. And yet, Father God, you have put us in this world for such a time as this. You are moving. You are operating. You're still God. And, and Father God, we have overcome the world through faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer in bondage to sin and death. We are no longer bonded to the ways of this world. And so, Father God, open our eyes. Awaken us, Father God, to your truth, to the importance of our being able to walk in godliness with you, where we're acknowledging your sovereignty in all aspects of life at all times, and we're committed to honoring you in all ways, Father God. That our commitment to godliness will be a check and a balance upon us that will that, that will cause us to do the hard work to keep us from being led astray, to keep us from, from following after uh, uh, words that lead to division and dissension and, 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 and all, kinds of, uh, uh, all kinds of evil. So, Father God, I, I pray that for the hearts of each and every one here, teach us how to guard our hearts with all diligence. Give us a hunger and an appetite for your word that would make us diligent to delve into it and feast on your word, Father God, and, and that, that we would understand the truth of your word, that the truth 
of your word might set us free. I thank you for this word, Father God. I thank you for the, the, uh, for the hearts of those that received your word on, uh, on good soil and, and the fruit that shall be born of it. And may all be done for the glory of our God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, the